Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 13th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. I'm conflicted. Um, we've got quite a show today. We've got bad news to talk about, obviously. It's jam-packed with content. We're going to talk... Jonte Porter's injury. We're going to talk Mizzou Madness, Memphis game. So we better just jump right into the news. Let's do it. Obviously, the biggest news item in a while is Jonte Porter in a closed scrimmage against who? Southern Illinois. Basketball scrimmage went down with a torn ACL and MCL, as reported by several outlets and confirmed by the basketball team that was on Sunday like 24 hours or so after Mizzou Madness and that is Missouri's best player going into this season and he is out for the rest of the year uh yeah I was was telling these guys that I I have experienced real symptoms of depression of over this news because uh especially after seeing Jonte at uh, Mizzou Madness which we're going to talk about here in a second um I just was so encouraged by what I saw from him on Saturday at the event and looked like he's really he had transformed his body and was making plays that I hadn't seen him do and these dunks and you know he just I, I really think he was primed to take the next step this year yeah and the staff had been talking about how they expected him to have a pretty massive role in the offense this year Um, taking a ton of shots and bringing the ball up the court from time to time. So Mm -hmm. truly like probably a top 10 to 20 player in the country potentially. Yeah. And as I'm sure you guys know, just it couldn't have happened to like a better guy. Like he's, he's the, just seems like the nicest dude ever. And uh, so humble and such a good attitude. So right. Represents uh, Mizzou exactly how anybody would want yeah so horrible in every way and it's just the same thing continues to happen for the porter family where they just are plagued by injuries and they're such a great family and also athletic but yeah that that aspect of it is insane for anybody who doesn't keep up with the women's side of things um both porter's sisters had to cut their careers short at missouri with dealing with knee injuries obviously we know about michael's um stuff last season and now this for jante it's just like Holy cow. I mean, four Porter siblings go through Missouri basketball, and all four of them now will have missed playing time because of significant injuries. Mm -hmm. So, and obviously I don't want to jump the gun on this, and we got a long way to go, uh, but do you feel like Jonte will ever come back to Mizzou? I'm just mentally preparing that we will not see him again. I would would assume that he's going to make a... a decision with his head right. and, and move on yeah. to into the NBA as he probably should. Not unlike the decision Michael made to not come back to Missouri to move on to the NBA. And I mean, it's more or less the same decision now for Jonte um, at the end of this season. And he's now at the same point Michael was last year um, since he did move up a grade to be able to play with Michael last year. So he's still at the same point so I would not expect anything other than him to Mm -hmm. go to the NBA and 
I don't know. I think his case might be the only thing that makes his case a little bit different is the potential draft position that we were talking about at the beginning of the season. With Michael, we were talking about potentially number one overall falling to the back end of the lottery. Mm -hmm. And with Jonte, if you're talking about a potential late lottery pick to, you know, late lottery to mid first round, does he drop, you know, where does he drop after not playing for a season and with injury concerns? So there's one, there's one part of it that makes me think he might come back for kind of that reason. I mean, he, he hasn't shown us anything in a real game that we didn't see last year. Right. So, I guess we don't know for sure that he's improved. We know, I mean, we figured he probably, he probably has, but yeah. he hasn't shown us that he has. Um, so, you know, if he'd played half the year and was killing it and uh, then got hurt, then I think he would, would f- absolutely easy. would yeah. go. Um, I, I still don't think he comes back, but I could see him wanting to come back to, you know, improve his draft stock because I think he would. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. It, there's also the, just the part of it that makes me think he'll move on because. Right. With their their family's injury history, it just take the money and go. Yeah, and it it'll be a th- it'll be a decision at the end of the year. You know, listening to um, scouts and you know even there could be changes to how the NCAA does things. Um, just within the next year, mm-hmm. that could mean he gets even more information on how what the NBA draft could look like for him. Right, and he may not even have to make the decision now because we don't know how well he's going to recover from this injury if he comes right. back and um he's you know super bouncy like he was before or you know more bouncy than he was um then maybe he'll just go to the nba yeah. um, but if he needs more time to recover from this injury then maybe he'll stick around for another year i don't yeah. know i really don't know but he may not be making this decision for a while right yeah and i mean with medical technology where it is today and you see guys like Mitchell Smith who we saw at Mizzou Madness competing in the dunk contest not too far removed from a um, ACL tear so we know from professional sports especially but even these college guys are recovering from these injuries and coming back to full strength so um, I wouldn't expect anything less from him just because of his work ethic and he's gonna have that desire to be right back where he was so we'll just have to wait and see but you're like you're spot on about just kind of like like depressed is a strong word, but there's just times where I'll see a tweet or I I literally almost want to unfollow Mizzou basketball from Instagram because they'll show this video of them working out or, you know, I know like it's like, Oh, what's the use? Yeah. (laughs) However many days till practice or till games start. And I'm just like, and you have to imagine there's a certain amount of that probably even on the team where they're probably just like, Oh my God, like what do we do now? And I'm sure it's not, as bad as you might think maybe it was that way for like in a couple days right. they were going to move on and be fine but i mean this guy was just the heart and soul of this team and it's just it's going to be interesting and so now the next thing we'll find out is if the smiths have eligibility and and we're running out of time on that i mean right we are i would and, be expecting to hear something any day now if yeah. if that's going to happen yeah so that certainly um if we get one or both of those guys eligible it might soften the blow of this year a little bit but uh definitely expectations are going to have to be tempered for this season yeah i mean expectations weren't necessarily through the roof but i think reasonably you could have expected this team to do something similar to what they did last season um more of a inside out approach probably not as many not as many three-point shooters as last year but Mm -hmm. um 
I with, think we could have... are looking at Jonte and Jeremiah Tillman with Kevin Perrier backing them up and playing a little bit of three, that is the best front court in the SEC easily mm-hmm. and one of the best in the country. Yeah, I think we could have... We may not have had super high expectations for the team, but I think we could have had really high expectations for how Jonte was going to do this year. And right. I think he could have been a top 10 pick if yeah. he had a really strong season uh in the draft next year but uh all of that is on hold so we'll we'll see what happens yeah um this seems like as good a time as any to just kind of talk about our thoughts of mizzou madness as mm-hmm. a whole um once again really fun event yeah. um we walked over from the football game before it had actually ended so we got great seats um there wasn't a ton of people there but um just kind of hearing people talk it was it was definitely people that were very interested in Missouri basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, people just uh, talking about Trey Jackson, who we will talk about in a minute, but talking about him, talking about, you know, the players, the Smiths transferring, you know, all the same stuff we talk mm-hmm. about here. So it was kind of cool yeah. just to be in that environment. Yeah, it was cool to actually just be around the players, like like you said. And, yeah, you mentioned we I mean, we literally heard Torrance Watson, you know, standing five feet away from us talking to uh, somebody about – uh, how highly he thinks of Trey Jackson and yeah. thinks he's going to be a really good player. And, yeah, it's it's cool to hear the actual players talking about all the things that we read about on the Internet and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, and they were signing autographs for kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think one guy in front of us literally got everybody's signature on his um, schedule poster. So yeah. they were interacting with the fans, and they did a, a dunk contest. And I honestly, I cannot remember if it was on this show or not that I mentioned Xavier Pinson possibly winning the dunk contest. Sure enough, he did. Mm-hmm. So you just have to take my word for it if I didn't say it on here. But um, people like to see these shorter guys with a lot of bounce go up there. Yeah. And he definitely was impressive. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of analysis to to take from this event, but it was really fun to see the players interacting with each other, and it was cool to see the dunk contest and stuff. Um, if there's anything as far as analysis that I can take away is that Xavier Penton He's incredibly athletic. He's got some handles, and uh, he may be a little bit more of a contributor on this team than maybe I originally thought before, you know, maybe a couple months ago or so. Yeah, it was just a scrimmage, of course, but he looked he looked like he belonged out he there. He very didn't, comfortable. Yeah, he did not look like he was in over his head with these other high-profile recruits, and um, at one point he, he put the ball behind his back and then threw it up over his head, off the backboard for an alley-oop mm-hmm. to christian guess i believe yeah. Yeah. so and that looked incredibly smooth it looked yeah. like they've been practicing it every day yeah um, in practice which they may have but they pulled that out in the scrimmage which was really cool mm-hmm. um christian guest was good to see i thought he and um especially javon pickett they looked like college players and i honestly wasn't sure how they would look standing next to torrence watson for example yeah um but Pickett especially, you could tell that he's been putting in some work in this kind of off year between high school and college. Yeah, he was taller than mm-hmm. I think I had in mind. Yep, taller, a little beefier. He's got a. He didn't. I don't think I saw him make a three in the scrimmage, but he has a super quick release on the three point shot, and he was pulling up. So mm-hmm. I think he did make one. Uh, but yeah, he he has a nice looking shot for sure. Yeah, so um, it was very entertaining to watch them score the ball. Um, Jeremiah Tillman was kind of fun to watch. He put up a three-pointer. It, like right off looked, the bat. Yeah, that was the first shot of the scrimmage, I think. Yeah. It looked good. It didn't go in, but he uh, he brought the ball up the floor one time, which was kind of fun. And um, as much as I hate to talk about it, Jonte looked amazing. I mean, he was bringing the ball up the floor and had and just, an amazing put-back dunk at, to end the scrimmage that mm-hmm. was just – it was like nothing we saw 
last year at all from him. He yeah. was he looked flying way around the around the basket and getting up there for dunks. So way more athletic than he did last year. And yeah. he had like one really nice like I don't even know like turnaround fadeaway jumper yep. from like mid range that looked really nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. We talked about like that's literally impossible to guard. If yeah, a can, can, uh, guy that's six eleven can fade away and drain a mid range mid range jump shot like that. But um, I was disappointed that we didn't get to see um, KJ Santos. He's still sidelined with an injury. Um, hopefully that doesn't linger too far into the season, but I don't really have yeah. a lot of information about that. I don't either, but we are probably going to be counting on him to take over some of Jonte's role. Um, yeah. I'm Traditionally, he's probably most comfortable in maybe like a three. Yeah. Uh, but I would imagine since we're shorthanded in the front court, he may have to step in and play some four as well. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll probably be seeing a little bit more Reed Nico than we yeah. thought before this. Which yeah. he he I looked mean, very slim, like he looked really yep. fit. Yeah, as well looked a little bit more athletic than we'd ever seen him before, which is to be expected when you just more time in the weight room and mm-hmm. getting ready like that. Um, trying to think if we missed anybody. Torrance Watson looked good, looked athletic. That's we've got so many. I didn't realize it, I guess, before this how many long-armed rangy wings we have that are really athletic and mm-hmm. we'll be looking to get to the rim and yeah it's definitely the the trend in college basketball it's kind of the coveted uh, body type right now for right. guards is the long rangy guards that can that can get to the basket and kind of the goes along with the positionless basketball kind of mm-hmm. the guys that can play the one or the three or the three right. or the four or whatever it is so. two through two through four you know some of these guys and, and rebounding guards as well is very valuable so yeah but that was a lot of fun. Um, Coach Martin came out and gave a little speech to the crowd, talking about the attendance from last year. I didn't even realize that they were that the attendance was was as good as it either. was. I think he said thirteenth, something like that, in the in the nation last year, and he challenged everybody to try to be top ten. So might be tough to overcome with last all the stuff of last year. Yeah, all the, the hype it, was so big last year, and now losing Jonte. Yeah, I, that doesn't not, seem possible yeah, at this top point. Top ten but is probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, anything else about Mizzou Madness that you can think no, of? It was a really fun day, though. Yeah, I mean, for it to be a free event, you know, after the homecoming football game, that's if you like us, we can typically only make it just schedule wise to one football game a year um, that's a really good one to go to because you get a full crowd with homecoming and then you get a free basketball event to be introduced to the teams so yeah it was really fun um, we'll just continue on with some news items um, a news item that normally would be leading this show uh, but had to take a back burner to Jonte's injury is Trey Jackson flipping his commitment from minnesota to mizzou in a span of about two hours (laughs) yeah yeah that was bizarre how he he decommitted and we were like oh wow mizzou might have a shot to get back in this oh wow they're really back in this yes because he committed almost immediately yeah it was kind of late at night and stuff too it was just so bizarre yeah i I would guess that most people saw him uh, posting these pictures of him in a mizzou uniform before they even realized that he decommitted from minnesota it's possible but yeah that was yeah, that's that's great great news for this team considering how we missed on EJ and um, just we didn't really have a whole lot of options, a whole lot of backup plans. We put so many eggs in, in the EJ Liddell basket that we I don't know who we were thinking we were going to land and maybe nobody in the 2019 class and for kind of a 
you know, like a guard or a big guard or a, or a front court um, player. So getting Trey Jackson was huge, and I'm really excited that that happened. And, uh, you know, we, we said at one point on this podcast maybe a couple months ago that, you know, I was really pretty positive that Trey Jackson was coming here and everything looked like it was trending in the right direction. And then he just kind of ended up at Minnesota one day, which was really weird. So um, it's very possible that Mizzou is kind of where he wanted to go all along and maybe got pressured into a commitment at Minnesota and kind of regretted it and ended up where he probably wanted to be all along. Um, I don't know if that's what happened or not, but it seems like that is very possible. Right. kind of goes along with the timeline. You wonder how E.J. Liddell's recruitment played a factor in what mm-hmm. Trey Jackson was doing. He may have felt that, you know, things might dry up at Missouri if E.J. went there, so he wanted to find a landing spot that he liked yeah, very beforehand. I don't I don't know how exactly all of that works, but it, like I said, it kind of fits with the timeline. But, yeah, the, uh, Trey Jackson, we've talked about him quite a bit, a top 100 guy. Um basically the type of guy that you want to fill your program with um and i think that's going to be missouri's sort of niche under conzo martin is getting as many of these top 100 four-star guys as possible and then sprinkling sprinkling in a a josh christopher type every once in a while Mm -hmm. so if if they can keep that rolling i think we're right on track still i mean things were kind of derailed when ej went to ohio state but getting trey jackson yeah we were looking at like some juco guys and stuff right. that i'd never heard of and i was just like oh man this yeah. is a bummer yeah so getting jackson was great yeah um the other uh, 2019 guy that we've kind of been tracking is kobe brown and he was um at in columbia for an official visit um seems like it went well i don't have any real insight for you but he posted pictures on um social media of him in tiger uniform and yeah, he's posted a few times about it. Um, so, yeah, it still would be nice to, to welcome him to the 2019 class as well. Yeah, that would be the last scholarship available. So um, it seems like it might be his to take if he wants it, or they might just bank it if mm-hmm. he doesn't want it. Yeah, he's got some seat, some uh, decent offers as well. So I, I originally would have been pretty surprised to land him this late in the game. But I was kind of surprised that they got the official visit, yeah, to be honest, this looks late. But like it might be a possibility. Yeah. All right. Uh, a couple other basketball things. Um, uh, an old name from uh, Mizzou past, Jonathan Williams the third, has kind of been making news lately because he got some playing time with the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron yeah. James's Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, I watched a video of some highlights, and he looked like he played pretty well. Had a, like a nice uh, dunk that he received, or maybe I don't know if it's a dunk, but he had a nice like assist that he received from LeBron, and um, looked like he had some nice defensive plays as well yeah i saw it uh, on instagram with uh, somebody captioned just a picture of him in the lakers uniform saying who is this guy <laughs> i was like well i know who that guy is that's funny and yeah jonathan williams is kind of a, we saw him at gonzaga making deep tournament runs and i always wish i mean any mizzou fans would wish that he could have ended his career at missouri and obviously he kind of actually takes a back seat when you think about all the different transfers. You think about that one whole recruiting class that transferred out. You don't really think about Jonathan Williams when he left for Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it worked out well for him. I don't think I don't think things would have gone any better for him at Mizzou. Um, no, yeah, he seemed like a really likable guy. I liked him a lot when he was here, and I 
feel like he was kind of in an uncomfortable role like he was having to be the star player when he was here and just I don't know that he's at least not that early in his career was really cut out to be like a natural scorer like he was having to do yeah um, wasn't but, that the story of Mizzou basketball there for yeah, a four-year exactly. period exactly so pushed into stuff that they yeah positions Kevin Burrier, that they shouldn't have been like in his his freshman year and stuff yeah that was the story of Mizzou basketball for a while but um I it's, it was hard to see him go at the time, but I'm glad that he left because I just think that his career took a huge turn for the best, yeah. for, for the better, yeah. when he went to Gonzaga. So good for him. Yep. Uh, last bit of basketball news on the women's side. Audra Blackwell picked Missouri. So uh, talking about a top 10 player for the women's squad. I'll be honest, I don't follow women's basketball recruiting. But if you follow men's basketball recruiting, you could not help but know about this because mm-hmm. Uh, she's from St. Louis, went to Whitfield where Torrance Watson went to school. So yeah, you were seeing stuff about her from, from Torrance, from Mario McKinney, you know, they all seem to know each other. So yeah, this is, um, but you know, potentially a program changing player. Um, so good for Mizzou or women's basketball team. Um, it's really exciting and it's good to see that at least, uh, one program at Mizzou is, is landing their, their top targets yeah. that they're putting all their eggs in that basket. It, but it's good timing to have, uh, player of that caliber coming right. out of St. Louis with Sophie Cunningham yep. playing her senior year this year. That was another thing about Mizzou Madness that kind of cracked me up was they literally referred to her as the mayor of Columbia mm-hmm. on the PA system. Yeah, she is very loved <laughs> in Columbia. She's got quite a personality. Yeah. So that's all I have for basketball news. But uh, we've got some football news to talk about. Uh, Jalen Knox was named the SEC Freshman of the Week. So We'll talk more about his game against uh, Memphis, but definitely well-deserved. He's been really Mm -hmm. impressive so far in his true freshman season. Yeah, anybody that listens to this podcast uh, knows my affinity for Jalen Knox. (laughs) Um, Kelly Bryant, the transfer quarterback from Clemson that we've been talking about, he has taken an official visit to Missouri this weekend. So he'll be there for the Kentucky game, which is really exciting. I honestly didn't think his uh recruitment to missouri would go this far but yeah this is huge news and uh this is just like priority number one in recruiting right now i know jelani williams is a big priority as well but uh getting kelly bryant would be a a great thing for next year because as we've talked about endlessly on this podcast uh got a lot of pieces coming back next year but big question mark at the most important position on the field so Kelly Bryant was what, like eighteen and two or something in his time at Clemson. Yeah. So uh, obviously a, an incredible talent, um, and I think Mizzou was probably the. F- I think I heard that he was the first. They were the first school to call him uh, after he was announced that he was transferring, and looks like that um, definitely helped him out. So I think it's kind of a three-team race right now between Mizzou and Arkansas, and I think North Carolina is the other school, and, and yeah. those, those other two schools have. Uh, some connections to him that we don't have so it, it's going to be a, an uphill battle to get him but I think we're definitely right there in in the race yeah um on the commitment side of things you got a football commitment uh recently yeah we uh got a commitment from Shamar Pearl who is a defensive end from Texas and uh I don't know a whole lot about him but he uh, I watched his film and um, he's kind of a, a tall, rangy guy. Kind of maybe think Trey Williams, pretty athletic uh, guy on, on on the outside that will hopefully bring a pretty nice pass rush and some athleticism to that defensive line. So definitely a, a really nice pickup there. 
Yeah, I think if you're going to just like stockpile players um, on the offensive side, wide receiver, on the defensive side, edge rushers, just get as many of them as you can and yeah. see who comes out on top. Well, if you remember a few years back when we had like Marcus Golden and Shane Ray and uh, Michael Sam and all those guys, yeah. we and Coney Ely, like they just they made us good right. because of just the opposing teams couldn't do anything because they were just those guys were all over opposing quarterbacks so yeah and you had future nfl players backing up yeah. future nfl players so. Yeah, so we've seen what having good defensive ends can do for your team yeah um last bit of football news here there was a shakeup in the depth chart with the secondary um the secondary that has been a pretty big issue for missouri the last two seasons but um they're gonna give christian holmes the start at corner and who's starting at safety over khalil oliver um, Tyler uh, Gillespie or Gillespie? Yep. I'm not sure how to say it. I think it's Gillespie. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he's um, super athletic. Gillespie is really, yeah. really fast. So and these guys have been big. They've been on the field um, yeah. almost, if not. And Gillespie, I believe, started against Memphis as right. well. So um, these guys have been playing. Holmes, uh, we'll talk about in a minute, had an awesome huge pick six against memphis so mm-hmm. um he's been making some really good plays he's actually been grading out the best as the secondary is concerned he's um, been one of the highest graded secondary players in the sec right he's yeah. been amazing and uh maybe like a little bit limited snaps like he's seen some definitely less playing time than some of these other guys but um that's not exactly his fault so right. um yeah he's been making the most of the snaps that he's got absolutely and um the guy he's replacing sparks i don't i don't know he he had an interception as well against memphis um but man it just seems like teams are going after him yeah he he's really struggled this year and he, he kind of he really came on at the end of last year and mm-hmm. i i kind of had high hopes for him and he's but he's looked like a liability this right. year and um so i i don't know maybe this is just kind of a way to maybe motivate him and and make him think make him realize that his job is not uh safe no matter what I think we'll still see a ton of them. They'll they'll switch those guys in and out a bunch. Yeah. But so far, Christian Holmes has been by far the best player in the secondary this yeah, year. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him get a lot more snaps than mm-hmm. he has been recently. Okay, well, that's all I have for news. So we will talk about an awesome game that was against the Memphis Tigers. Obviously, it was homecoming. Um, with the South End Zone, end zone project going on, it really made the stadium look full um mm-hmm. i don't know how full it would have looked with all those seats available but um it was a good turnout the the hill was full the uh, people were sitting on the rock M. we had the rock M on the helmets which was really cool i liked that i didn't love the white pants as much but i thought the helmets were pretty cool so missouri jumped out really quickly um and they got up early um, Memphis got the ball first, and on their first drive, they, it actually ended in a blocked punt. I think the punter kicked it right off of one of his own teammates. Um, so Mizzou got the ball with a short field at the Memphis 27-yard line. Um, on a second and 15, Drew Locke ran for 19 yards, and then after a penalty, Larry Roundtree punched in from two yards out to give Missouri the 7-0 lead. And then on Memphis's very next possession, um, Brady White threw an interception like we just talked about to Christian Holmes. He had a, turned it into uh, seven points the other way, so it was 14-0 Missouri. Then uh, Memphis's next drive was a three and out, and Missouri went on to have a um, five-play, 76-yard drive, um, and that had a 41-yard completion to Knox. 
and Crockett scored a touchdown from 14 yards out. So just like that, it's 21-0 Missouri. Yeah, this game started off amazing, and I definitely had my doubts um, about this game, but we also have seen in the past, obviously, Drew Locke just shreds inferior opponents, um, and that's definitely what happened, at at least at the beginning of this game. Uh, Missouri just looked like they could do anything they wanted, and uh, on the um, Jalen Knox's reception, it was almost like a, not really, maybe, was it like a screen? I feel like it was like a, I feel like he caught it maybe only like five yards beyond line yeah. of scrimmage and then just ran right by Stiff the Stiff-armed guy, and I saw it coming. I was like, this guy's not going to tackle him. I mean, that first yeah. guy that came and attempted the tackle, I just felt like he's going to stiff-arm him. And it, honestly, it reminded me of what we've seen from Jamon Moore, mm-hmm. uh, especially last year with him kind of catching the ball in the five to 10 yard range and then making one guy miss and turning that 10 yards into 25 or 30. Yeah. And so uh, I love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was Jamon's best aspect what was his run after the catch abilities and his elusiveness once he had the ball. So if, if um, Jalen Knox is doing stuff like that, I'm all for it. Yeah. And Crockett looked really nice on his touchdown run as well. I don't even know if he was touched to be mm-hmm. completely honest. Yeah, and the defense was was starting things off really well, obviously forcing the punt that was blocked, then a three and out. So um, everything looked good in the first four minutes of this game. Mm -hmm. looked like, and I shouldn't even bring this up, but I was like, what was I thinking with my score prediction last week? I don't even even remember what it was. We don't need to talk about it. (laughs) I was very wrong. I thought uh, this could be more of a defensive battle. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I was thinking. We'll just not talk about that. I undershot it also, but you really undershot it. <laughs> <laughs> so Memphis's next drive, it should have been another punt, but um, after an incomplete pass on third and nine, but uh, Trey Williams roughing the passer penalty gave him a first down, and they were able to uh, get on the scoreboard with a field goal. Uh, and that was kind of something that we saw. We talked about how they hadn't been a penalized team really so far this season, a highly penalized team, but... They had over 100 yards in penalties this this game. So. Yeah, in this game, it, it didn't hurt us much. Um, and I, f- I would like to think that maybe some of these mistakes don't happen in a game where they feel like they're not going to get... I don't They probably knew these mistakes were not going to come back to haunt them in this game. At least whenever they were up 21-0 to and right. everything looked so easy as it yeah. had. Uh, I'd, I'd like to think that maybe some of these mistakes don't happen. Yeah, maybe going for the highlight play mm-hmm. um, results in a roughing yeah. the passer penalty where if you're just trying to play sound defense in a close game, that doesn't happen. Yeah, I yeah. see what you're saying. But if it uh, but if it does happen against better opponents, then these are kind of the mistakes that are going to kill us like right. they did in, in some of our other previous losses. And uh, so after that, Missouri's offense went quiet. Uh, they punted on their next two possessions, and Memphis was able to get it going on offense. They had a 10-play, 80-yard drive for a touchdown, and then a very rare Corey Fatoni shanked punt gave them a short field, and they scored in two plays. So with those two touchdowns, it was now 21-17 Missouri. I made the mistake of quickly glancing at the Internet uh, at this point in the game. Uh, after Memphis had scored 17 unanswered points and had gotten back in the game, and uh, every you know it was like everybody's freaking out, like fire Barry Odom and all this stuff. <laughs> like this is why Barry Odom can't coach here and all this stuff. So uh, I I just I I don't worry about it too much, and I honestly wasn't concerned at the time. I just think Missouri got off to such a fast start and realized we can score 100 points on these people if we want, yeah. and it's not a great attitude to have. But uh, I just think they. They were just kind of felt safe there for a little while, 
and Memphis got back into it. And then, you know, as we'll see later in the game, they just punched the gas pedal a little bit again, and it was fine. So um, I didn't want to see Memphis get back in this game for a little bit, but I just I wasn't that concerned at this point. It was point. good to see Missouri respond, good, mm-hmm. and they responded in a big way. Um, they On their very next possession, they it, this was actually – at the time, a really big play, a yeah. pivotal moment in the game. Um, Missouri went for it on fourth and one with a play that I did not care for. Uh, designed rollout of Drew Locke with basically one option unless yeah. unless they thought he might run for it. But I don't know why they called that play there, to be honest. I, and everybody around us. It was like, yeah. like uh, I feel like we were around, you know, some season ticket holders yes. that watched a lot of football. And there was kind of a groan like, like okay, that worked, but do not but do why? that again on yeah. fourth down, please. Fourth and one. Yeah, but uh, I guess it worked. So yeah, um, and it's good to see JJ make a big play because he has done very much the opposite this year. When, yeah. when we've needed him the most, he's been the opposite of clutch. Whatever right. that whatever that word means yeah. might be. He uh, he's been that because he's dropped couple touchdown passes i think and just it just has had bricks for hands this year and mm-hmm. we really need him to step up and, and be the 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 veteran on the offense yeah so um then drew lock was able able to hit albert o um over the middle of the field was something that we've seen many times now um, that went for a 58 yard touchdown um, unfortunately mccann would miss the extra point so it was 27 17 mizzou um albert o that connection between Locke and Alberto was amazing mm-hmm. this game. Yeah, we got to have Alberto like for the rest of the season look like he did. Like if we're gonna win some of these games against Kentucky and Florida, we have to yeah. have that Alberto on the field. And right. man, he looks good when he's out in the open field like that. He's outrunning these like little cornerbacks and yeah. stuff. He's like a you know who I don't know how heavy he is, but he's like six six and he's just massive and he's outrunning these little one hundred and ninety pound cornerbacks. Yeah, and I think part of that though that I've noticed on that. Well, it's not one play, but it's a very similar play design that gets him kind of streaking down the middle of the field. Yeah. And it's resulted in a lot of touchdowns. And I feel like part of that has to be at least a little bit of breakdown on the defense's part. Yeah. And I think that might be why we haven't seen him yeah, um, come may, up real big against some of these better defenses. Yeah, it, it does seem like he has huge games against inferior opponents because he gets wide open like that. Yeah, it's uh, I, I don't know what play it is. I don't know if there's another option where – where Drew Locke can throw the ball if, if he's covered. I don't I don't know uh, what what exactly the play design there is, but that's definitely where they want to get the ball, I would think. That's right. option number one is yeah. Alberto running wide open down the middle of the field. Yeah. And they got that several times in this game. Yeah. Um, Brady White then uncharacteristically threw another interception, this time to Adam Sparks, and he was never comfortable. Brady White this whole game, the Mizzou defense was getting after him every possession. And yeah. We, we talked about in the preview how – I mean, coming into this game, he had 15 touchdowns and only one interception. He had been, they'd been riding their running game, and he'd just been efficient and safe, and mm-hmm. everything was fine. But it was the opposite in this game. Yeah, we kind of talked about that during the game as well. But he, he, um, you're right. He he did not look comfortable. He didn't look like an efficient passer at all. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of threw up some ducks sometimes. I never felt threatened by him whatsoever, no. and I was a little bit worried about him as. Because Memphis had such a great running back. I mean, they've got one of the better running backs maybe in the country. And I thought we might kind of sell out for him and, and get hurt by the quarterback because he's good. Right. And we might forget about him, but that was not the and case at the all. the way some of these quarterbacks have performed this year against the Missouri defense, it was kind of like yeah. uh, could we might be in for another one of these 
350 yard games from a, some nobody quarterback or you know somebody that just has a good arm and they take advantage um, after that interception Missouri scored on one play it was one of the easiest pass and catches I've ever seen for a touchdown um, from Drew Locke to Jalen Knox I mean yep he just yeah. once again just Knox looks so smooth out there just great hands uh, easily beat his man he was just very wide open and yeah. drew launched through perfect yeah, ball put it right on him uh, memphis went three and out again and larry roundtree took missouri deep into memphis territory he had a really nice 44 yard run and then he got to finish it off with a touchdown from the goal line so then it was 41 17 missouri and we felt like it was pretty much over at that point yeah, uh, yeah good to see uh, 17 they just after being 21-17, they just score 20 points in, mm-hmm. just like that. Exactly. And I, like I said, I just think that Mizzou could could name the score in this game. They just, when they wanted to score quickly, they did. And um, they just kind of punched the gas uh, after they after Memphis got back in a little bit. And it was completely fine. So um, Memphis kicked another field goal, made it 41-20. And then Drew Locke just absolutely started picking Memphis apart. I was kind of looking at the play-by-play, and we just saw six-yard pass, eight-yard pass, seven-yard pass, just over and over again. Uh, He found Alberto again, this time for 47 yards. So another touchdown made it 48-20. And that was just the first half. We have now reached halftime. And when I was kind of doing this, like getting this recap ready, I just couldn't believe it. Like I went through all this, and now it's halftime. I mm-hmm. feel like that's a whole game's worth of drives and plays right there. Mm-hmm. So basically, it felt like it was over at halftime. Yeah. So um, when they came back out, Tucker McCann did miss a kind of a frustrating miss, a 35-yard field goal to start the second half. Uh, just kind of a sigh. I mean, I, I'm not really surprised anymore when he misses these, but yeah. you know he'll make a 56 yarder to tie a game and then miss a 35 yarder that doesn't really matter but still yeah i don't know if he just like loses focus or something i I don't really know what what the deal is uh but i'm fine with him getting some of these misses out against games that aren't close right if that means he's gonna make big kicks in big games yeah i feel like it's just basically a coin flip every yeah, pretty time much. i hold my breath no matter how time. far it is it could yeah. be a 60 yarder and it could like, be an well, extra 50, point 50 yeah uh, yeah exactly 50 50 an extra point or a 60 yarder yeah, yeah. So uh, Memphis had a really good touchdown drive, eight, uh, 80-yard, 10-play drive. That made it 48-27 Missouri, and then Missouri answered right back. They, Since that time when it was close, Missouri's just answered everything Memphis did. Um, another Alberto touchdown, this time for 23 yards, mm-hmm. and uh, it was 55-27 Missouri. Yeah, I was watching that play on like the highlight reel or something, and um, I just happened to notice that uh, the defender that was supposed to be covering Alberto um, bit really hard on kind of a screen uh, to Cam Scott. Cam Scott was kind of just on the line of scrimmage and looked like he was ready mm-hmm. to catch a screen. And the cornerback that was on Alberto bit really hard, and he was just wide open again. I don't know why you ever leave him, but yeah. they do. Um, after another Memphis three and out, Larry Roundtree finally got in the end zone on one of these long runs. I think like mid-game we said "Ah, I just don't think he's quite fast enough and honestly on this one it went for 59 yards he wasn't fast enough they caught him but he had some kind of 
tricky maneuvering yeah. and uses blockers well and kind of cut back towards the sideline and was able to get in the end zone. Yeah, he doesn't have the greatest like top end speed, but he's he has great feet and he's very quick mm-hmm. and very agile, especially for kind of his size. Uh, but yeah, he definitely he made some guys miss, and I, I, he just seems like he has great vision, kind yeah. of on the line of scrimmage. Like he hits the holes really well and um, gets out into the secondary pretty pretty easily a lot of the times. But yeah, when he he it um, tends to not break away very often. Yeah, but um, he he definitely got loose a few times in this game. So um, that brings us to the fourth quarter, and the fourth quarter was pretty much entirely garbage time. Um, Drew Locke handed the ball off once to start the quarter, and then he was replaced by uh, Taylor Powell. So uh, the rest of the game, Missouri got one more field goal, and Memphis did get another touchdown. Um, So the final score in that one was 65-33, which is just kind of a crazy score to see. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll run through some stats real quick. Uh, Drew Locke had just an amazing game, 23 of 29 passing for 350 yards and four touchdowns and no interceptions i mean <laughs> yeah i just wish he could do this against yeah. a decent defense we'd yeah. be so good yeah do it do it against kentucky that'd yeah. be fantastic that'd be amazing um roundtree we talked about him he only carried the ball nine times but he racked up 118 yards and three touchdowns so that was pretty efficient day on the ground for him what is that like 11 or 12 yards per carry yeah and crockett he still had a good game, only carried it 13 times for 56 yards and a touchdown. Um, Beatty was seven times for 41 yards. So as a team, they average 6.8 yards per carry. I usually get it done. That'll win a lot of games. Yeah, especially they ran it over 40 times. So mm-hmm. it's terrific. Alberto, obviously, he was the man. Um, he and Knox, both over 100 yards. Alberto, just six catches, but tallied 159 yards and three touchdowns. Just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then Knox five receptions for 104 yards and a touchdown. So, yeah, it's uh, Alberto has just been Jekyll and Hyde this year. I mean, sometimes he'll go off like this, and sometimes he is kind of just forgotten about. And seems like maybe he, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on in the helmet. So I don't know if he's just being, you know, outperformed by the defense that he's going against or if he's just kind of. I don't know, going through the motions, losing focus. I don't really know what's you know what's going on, or maybe he's just covered in some of these routes that we're seeing him take advantage of against inferior opponents. Yeah, I think part of it is, could be this is still just his sophomore season. Yeah. Um, so he's got uh, he's got athletically, I think he's you know kind of the best he will ever be. I mean, he yeah, is possible. Absolutely amazing athletically, yeah. um, but. As far as just the game of football, he might have a little bit to learn still, yeah, which is to be expected be, of a sophomore. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how he does the rest of the year because if he if he puts up these kind of numbers, you know, at even a couple more times, he'll I think he'll probably go to the NFL yeah. after this year. Yeah, and since he did redshirt, he would be eligible. So mm-hmm. it, yeah, there's a there'd be a lot of teams that would look for his abilities. I mean. Yeah. You're seeing that actually trickle into the NFL more, splitting the tight end out wide and yeah. them getting more – using two tight ends kind of. Yeah, you, when, you know. you, when you think of a receiving tight end, I mean, he's just exactly what you're looking for, right. just the speed and the size and athleticism. Yeah, and when you see guys like Travis Kelsey and Robert yeah. Gronkowski tearing up the NFL, it's just like, well, that's the same type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really impressed with, with Missouri's defense. They – 
you know, Brady White was always rattled. He was never comfortable. And that showed in the box score. He was only 15 of 37 for 200 yards. And with those two interceptions, easily his worst day. I mean, he's had he's had fewer passing yards in the game, but he's never been had that low a completion percentage. And obviously he hasn't thrown two interceptions in a game this season. So easily his worst game. And then the running back that we talked about, Henderson, who already has over 1,000 yards on the season, only ran the ball four times for 15 yards. So I, I think he got hurt, potentially. I, I don't see any other way yeah. why he would be I think he left the game, the that and it was kind of, since we were there, it was a little bit harder maybe to notice that. Mm-hmm. But that there's only one explanation for that line yeah. for him. Um, but as a team, they, they were only, um, they averaged 4.7 yards per carry. So a team that, you know, prides themselves on running the ball and when you force two interceptions from the quarterback and hold the running backs to 4.7 yards per carry you're most likely going to win that game Mm -hmm. well uh anything else about missouri's win over memphis i don't think so nothing that i've it was really fun to watch yeah it was very entertaining and those those big touchdown plays i mean yeah can't really beat that i think i did say this to you at point at one point during the game but i mean it just really looked like at times missouri was playing against almost like an fcs level team like they they looked physically bigger and more athletic and uh they obviously performed much better than memphis did and yeah they they looked very superior at times Mm -hmm. over a team that has competed with some pretty good teams this year like they like we talked about last week they almost knocked off UCF. Yeah. And uh, then they turn around and just get blown out of the water by Mizzou. So now yeah. I want to see Mizzou and UCF play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Josh Heupel. Yeah, that would actually be really interesting. Um, okay, well, we will go ahead and move on to a preview of Missouri's matchup with the Kentucky Wildcats. Kentucky is 6-1 and one on the season, 4-1 and one in SEC play. Um They've had some really big wins already this year. They beat Florida at Florida. They had they had nice home wins against Mississippi State, who was ranked, and uh, South Carolina. So this isn't a fluke so far. They've they've got some wins to back up their record. Um, first thoughts on Kentucky? Uh, it's it's an interesting matchup. Um, definitely, uh, Mizzou's defensive strength uh, matches up well against Kentucky's strength which is running the ball. They've got, mm-hmm. you know, obviously a top 10 player in the country potentially in, in Benny Snell. And so that'll be a really interesting matchup to, to watch is Mizzou's defensive line versus Benny Snell. And uh, they're not super high powered on offense. So whatever happens, I don't think that they're going to blow us out. Right. Uh, I don't think they're going to run away with, for, with this game. So. Missouri will be in this game right till the end. Yeah. Just because even though they have a dynamic player at running back, they just don't score a lot of points. Yeah, I think Mizzou's offense is definitely going to be good enough to to uh, challenge Kentucky's defense all game. So if we just can, can finish in the red zone, I think we've got a really, really good shot. Yeah, I was kind of looking for some trends um, in Kentucky's big wins so far this year. Obviously, when they're winning, they are running the ball a lot. And against Florida, they ran for over 300 yards as a team. Um, and their quarterback, Wilson, He's basically just doing enough to hold on to the win, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Jumping ahead a little bit, but in their most recent win against uh, Vanderbilt, they only threw the ball nine times Mm -hmm. for 18 yards total. Which is awful. So uh, I think uh, Missouri won. Missouri, yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
that just shows you how good Snell is right. and how good their defense is. But yeah. Missouri, the the best thing they can do here is get an early lead and make Kentucky feel like they have to throw the ball. Yeah, and because that's gonna if if we get behind and then they can just sit back and let Snell run the ball. It might get ugly, right? Um, and I mean, I like I said, I don't think they're super explosive, so Mizzou could always climb back in it. But the best case scenario, Mizzou gets to an early lead, maybe fourteen zero or something lead. That would be fantastic, yeah. and then Kentucky would would probably feel panicked and feel like they would have to throw the ball. Yeah. So yeah, so far, every game that Kentucky's been in has been just an ugly football game that I probably would not want to watch. Boring. Um, I, their game against Mississippi State. In that game, they had a combined 13 punts between the two teams. Yeah, well, Mississippi State is kind of the same way. Right. So it they haven't – I mean, Texas A&M actually beat Kentucky, but that was still an ugly game in overtime, not a lot of scoring. And you think Texas A&M would have a more high-powered offense, more like what they'll see from Missouri. But, yeah, I mean, they still kind of mucked it up. And It is amazing how, how well Kentucky has done this year. I mean, they are a legitimate, like, top – 10 top 12 team and like you said their only loss was against a, a good a&m team in overtime so uh they are they're a great team and i know that kind of the feeling is that mizzou's going to win this game kind of with the mizzou fans and they came out with like a six or seven point favorite yeah um and even it's with still at seven today even with myself i'm kind of getting my hopes up that mizzou's going to pull off this big win and it's going to bury be barry odom's first you know ranked win and everything but uh, I definitely don't want to jump to conclusions here because Kentucky is a legitimate good team. Yeah, yeah. I mean they're right there in the battle for the SEC East. They're trying to they're trying to win a spot in the SEC championship game. Yeah, they I have mean, a lot to play for. Yeah. So and one misstep against Missouri derails that because yeah. if you're a Kentucky fan, you have to be thinking we can only have one conference loss. I mean two conference losses, and you're thinking. That's setting it up for Florida, even though you beat them, to only have one conference loss, or Georgia to just walk right into the SEC championship game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously Snell is their guy. I think if I think you pretty much have to, if you're Missouri's defense, just sell out for the run. I mean, don't let him beat you. Yeah. Maybe if he can get some yards, but and I think even Missouri's defense might. Obviously, their strength is stopping the run, but just as a philosophy, kind of how they bend but don't break, they, if they're forcing field goals, you know, long field goals that could be missed easily, I think that's really all you can ask for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I just can't emphasize enough how, how interesting that matchup is going to be. And, uh, you know, I know Kentucky's got a good defense, but I'm just not sure that they can hold Mizzou to, you know, less than 20 points. And I'm not sure Kentucky's going to score more than 20 points. Right. So I think if Mizzou can score 30, yeah. they win. Yeah. Like, I like guarantee it. Yeah. But if they score 20, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So it'll be – I just can't wait to see. Yeah, 21, 24, even 27, 28, that's yeah. pushing it. I mean, yeah, get to 30 and – I just don't think Kentucky can no. can do that. So, yeah, yeah if this they, is if, – If they force the quarterback to throw – he is not going to beat anybody. No. Um, this season, he's only got five touchdowns and four interceptions. So he is not the game manager that they even need to go along with this running attack. He is, they have won despite him a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So he's made mistakes. They've, they've had issues fumbling the ball, him throwing interceptions. So I think that's, that's going to be one of the keys. And 
Um, Kentucky forces turnovers too. They've forced fumbles, interceptions. That was a big key in their game against South Carolina. They um, forced three interceptions. So mm-hmm. not turning the ball over is going to be huge. Yeah. Um, because you're not going to have a lot of possessions because Kentucky kind of grinds it to a halt and mucks it up. So, mm-hmm. An interesting thing that I did happen to stumble upon on Twitter was that uh, Stoops, their coach, was quoted saying that they could potentially experiment with multiple quarterbacks in this game. Uh, it seems like we've run into that <sighs> several times this year. Like I know against Purdue was, was one of those situations where we were like, oh, okay, we don't really know who's going to be playing quarterback coming into this game. Georgia threw a couple quarterbacks at us, so... Um, I don't – same situation. South Carolina playing a backup. Exactly. Yeah, we've, we've run into this situation several times this year. If you're going to do that, do it against Missouri because <laughs> you might stumble upon your yeah. starter for the next three years. <laughs> exactly. And uh, you might stumble upon a plow or whatever his name is that go, goes on to beat Ohio State or whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so kind of interesting, uh, which I hope they don't play multiple quarterbacks Me for too. that very reason. Yeah. Um, cause I feel pretty confident against whoever the guy that's been playing all year. Mm-hmm. So, um, I obviously he hasn't been performing well or they would not be tossing this out there as an idea. Right. So, so. who knows if that's just kind of something they're planting out there or if they're really considering making a switch. Um, but I hope that Mizzou's defense plays well enough to, to maybe make, make a mid game switch or something. I don't know. Yeah. So that'll be another interesting thing to watch. Uh, I don't want to think about a backup quarterback coming in and putting up numbers. No, it gives me nightmares. It's not gonna happen. No, gonna happen. I, no, that won't happen. All right, we'll be fine. All right, what are you? What are you feeling? Right, do you think Missouri's gonna pull it off? Well, uh, give me your official prediction. It's, it's a great opportunity to get a huge win against, a, like I think, what are they? Twelve. Yeah. A highly ranked team. Yeah. Um, a conference win. Uh, something, against a season, literally team. something that Missouri hasn't done. Yeah, in Drew Locke's career. Yeah, pretty much. And Barry Odom, like I said, does not have a ranked win. So this is a, a big opportunity to do something that Mizzou has not done in a long time. And it, for their season this year, it's huge. Yeah, I mean, it is getting that fifth win early in the season. Then you just need one more for bowl eligibility. Yeah, and then you, I mean, you go right back with a big game against Florida, so you got to keep it rolling, but this yeah, these is just... these are both huge games, yeah. so... You've got to get one of them. I agree. we got to go one and one in these two games, so... And I think I like us against Kentucky more so than Florida, so I'm, I'm going to pick us to beat Kentucky. And I think it, it is going to be a battle. It's going to be really close. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick Missouri as well. I, uh, I don't know if the... The point spread is, I mean, this is a game that I kind of, I thought Missouri could win all along. I mean, we talked about even when we, they hadn't played a game yet and we were previewing the season, they match up well with a lot of these teams. They Mm -hmm. matched up well against South Carolina, even though they lost. They matched up well against Georgia and kind of made a game of it. Mm -hmm. I think they'll match up well with every team left on the schedule. So, Mm -hmm. and they're at home as well. One team that I didn't think they match well, match up well against was Memphis and they just absolutely destroyed them. So, Mm -hmm. I think on paper, I mean, that's why the line is favoring Missouri by seven. Yeah. And I will add also that I was happy to see us bounce back uh, after, you know, death stretch of games. Yeah. So we, you know, yeah, we, it was able, we were able the to fans s- calm down a little bit. Yeah. And we were able to uh, just, you know, the, the players were, you know, still have faith in the season. Yes. Still have, feel like they have things to play for. So yeah. I thought that was definitely a good thing to see. 
Yeah, it was nice seeing a win after three straight losses. Yeah, um, so hopefully we will continue to bounce back against Kentucky. Yeah, I, yeah, I think Missouri's going to win. I would put the score at something like, um, give me 36 to 24, I think. Okay, I'm going to say 24 to 23. Oof, Missouri. That would be exciting. Ooh, man. Okay. Well, um, I think it's time for a celebration, Producer Cameron, because the Nebraska Cornhuskers won a football game. How's it feel? Feels great, guys. <laughs> I didn't know if I'd be able to say that at all this season, so. That seems unreasonable, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to SEC Pick'em plus Nebraska. Um, Nebraska got the big win against Minnesota, so we can't just um, pencil in a loss every time anymore. Um, I was able to gain one more point on Kyle, so now I'm at 31 points. Kyle's at 22. This um, is a butt whooping. Well, all right, could, all right. there's still <laughs> several weeks left. Um, it could, he could come back. We know you like Cameron better just because he picked Nebraska to win last week. (laughs) (laughs) That was the only point that I got better than you. Really? It was a really boring week. I mean, we picked, in the SEC matchups, we picked four favorites, and all the favorites won. So I got one point on you because I picked Nebraska, even though it hurt me a little bit. I did it. I did it for the game. Um, But this week, we'll start off with the Nebraska matchup against Bethune-Cookman. There's no line on this game, I think, because they're it's a high school team, maybe. <laughs> Has um, anyone heard of Bethune-Cookman? They Wait. literally didn't put a line on it because I don't think they're Division One. I. I don't... I mean, don't they normally do a line for even FCS games? Yes. Yeah, they're an FCS school. I was, right. I was just trying to find out what... Oh, I don't know. Am I, I couldn't find have, anything for why it's... Am I going to have to pick Nebraska... You don't have to, but if you want to keep your butt, butt whooping rolling. Okay. Oh, my God. I will tell you, I am going to pick Nebraska. Come on. Fine. <laughs> I'll pick Nebraska to win a game. Begrudgingly. Okay. Um, now, moving on to the games that matter. Vanderbilt is a favorite. Why, you ask? Because they're playing Arkansas. Uh, Nebraska is barely a favorite, one-and-a-half-point favorite at Arkansas. I'm just going to, before you say anything, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm taking the easy upset with Arkansas at home. I'm going to try to get those two points. I thought about doing that, too, because Vanderbilt's like been competitive in a lot of games yeah. against decent opponents, but I'm not sure they can actually like win a game against anyone, if that makes sense. like They're always kind of there, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm yet to see them just like actually break through and beat somebody. But... Oh man! Since you picked Arkansas, I might have to pick Vanderbilt. That's oof, that's could be a big swing if they lose. Yeah, I know. I think Arkansas might actually win, but for the game, sake of the game, I'll pick Vanderbilt. Okay. Uh, really big SEC SEC East matchup: Florida at Georgia. Georgia is a six and a half point favorite at home. Um, did Georgia lose recently? Who did they lose to? LSU. LSU. Was that last week or two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Okay. Who did they play last week? Georgia. Georgia played. Um, Someone they should beat. They played. <laughs> I'll find it. Sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah. 
Well, while you're doing that, I'll just go ahead and say I like Georgia to win this game. I like Georgia to win it too. <laughs> um, next up, Texas A&M at Mississippi State. Mississippi mm. State is a two-point favorite at home. I'm I'm actually kind of surprised to see that Mississippi State is favored in this game. I'm going to pick A&M for the upset. Uh, the loss to LSU was Georgia's most recent game. Oh, okay. Well, I think they bounced back. Then. The maybe, refocus they, a little bit. I think they must have had a bye this past week. Okay, maybe so. Okay. You picked A&M? Oh, sure. I, that's who I wanted to pick. I'm going to pick them as well. Oh, come on. <laughs> You're supposed to pick the team that's going to lose. No. All right. Last SEC matchup, Tennessee at South Carolina. South Carolina is an eight-point favorite. Mm, I don't think Tennessee is going to shock the world at all again the rest of the season, so I'll pick South Carolina. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to pick Tennessee. I'm not really picking South Carolina. I'm picking against Tennessee. <laughs> Pretty much. All right. So nothing too exciting. We have the Vanderbilt-Arkansas game to really pay attention to. I'm coming back. Get some points on the board. Um, anything else for the folks? What's the What's the Bethune-Cookman mascot? Does anybody know? I think know? it's like a some kind of cat, large cat. The Bethune-Cookman like high school. Like a wild cat? Is it a wild cat? Don't ask me how on earth I knew that. <laughs> but I feel like I can... Maybe through all of these like video games I've played in the past, like college basketball, college football games, you did I've not like seen see, their you did logo not somewhere. See Bethune Cookman on a video game. I think I've seen them on like the college basketball game that I that I used to play a long time ago. All right, some random. I, they might be Division One in basketball. Okay. Maybe I don't know. I still think they're a high school team. So. Okay, maybe so. All right. Well, that's all I have for us for this week, Cameron. Producer Cameron, anything you want to add? Nebraska might win two in a row. Oh, oh enough my of that. <laughs> oh, no. This, this episode is over. <laughs> <laughs> we will be right back next week. We will recap this Kentucky game. Um, we're going to have to start previewing this basketball season before too long. Yeah. I don't know how we're going to fit it in between these football games, but we might try to do that soon. Where can they find us, Kyle? Uh, Cameron, they can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Spotify. They can tweet us at Sports one and they can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert08. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.